What's up guys, this is Tony Angus. Welcome to Chat Time, where I have a conversation with interesting people about the world we live in and the things that matter to us most. Join me each week for a sometimes fun, sometimes controversial, sometimes enlightening, but always enjoyable chat. Today on Chat Time, I'm speaking with Dan Ryman. Dan is a personal trainer in Santa Monica, California, working with clients of all ages to achieve their fitness and health and nutrition goals. Dan has been in the training field for many, many years and has worked with some A-list movie stars along the way. I think you'll find his insights to be fascinating. Please join me in welcoming Dan Ryman. Welcome, everybody. So I'm with uh, Dan Ryman. Dan is a personal trainer, a trainer of uh, all sorts of people in Santa Monica, California. Uh, Luckily, sitting there in beautiful weather, wearing a T-shirt, making me very, very jealous at the moment. So, Dan, (laughs) uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast, mate. Ah, Hello, Tony. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You're like like the brother I never had. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have it. So um, what's, uh, what's the weather like there today? Oh, beautiful. Uh, I don't know what I'd do to make it any better if I could. It's just, you know, mid-70s, a little bit of a breeze, nice and fresh, really pleasant, sunny, you know, just, you know, wonderful. Nice. Fantastic. And so just um, if you wouldn't mind running through what you do currently and um, I guess who you do it for, for the listeners, that'd be fantastic. Yep. So uh, I'm a, I introduce myself to people uh, as a personal trainer. And uh, I started with that when I was around 14 years old. Uh, but what I think got me started uh, in terms of that being what I was interested in was uh, being on a farm and growing up uh, around work yeah. and a grocery store also. So uh, and I come, as you know, from a very rural area. And, you know, there's not a, a lot else out there besides family and work and family and ro- work and religion and things of that nature. So it was a, a real good grounding, you know, in early life to see this, the cycle of life. And a lot of people don't get to see that, you know, when they're, when they're young. So, you know, I got to see when things got sick and sometimes they didn't make it, you know, and sometimes they did. And so that kind of got me thinking, Oh, well, there's something else going on uh, beyond just getting, getting sick and dying. And, you know, there's, there's things that can change that. So that made me really interested in, you know, that was my first concept, I guess, of what health was. And uh, that got me started on the road to just exploring anything I could. Nice. Uh, and, and mind you, this was like 1978, 79. Yeah. So, you know, there was really hardly any publications on fitness back then. There was obviously no internet. So uh, I had friends. I had uh, a coach. And um, I just started doing things you know, that I just thought were good for me. And I had the lucky fortune of having this coach. And um, 
he kind of pointed me in a few general directions and I ended up bumping into this chiropractor and he was very much into holistic health. And so, uh, you know, I was at that time, I think I was maybe 15 or 16 and I was getting very interested in like transforming myself, you know, in terms of how I wanted to look, how I wanted to act, how I wanted to feel. And so I went and saw him and it was really interesting. He gave me several resources to look at and that just really blew it up for me. I just couldn't get enough at that so point. So what was, um, you were obviously on a, a personal development pathway long before that became a thing. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> if I back at my life when I was uh, 16, I was uh, just a goofy kid going to school and that was just, I'd, all I wanted to do was play football and, I can't, uh, I can't with any certainty say that I was on a path of growth or personal development or, or self-awareness even at that age. So congratulations to you for that. Uh, well, well, thank you. I think I've just always been, I've always been a curious type. Yeah. Um, and um, I like to figure things out. You know, I like to look at things and, and, and think about them. I like to play with ideas and, and I would never was, I never was the kind of teenage kid really that related to my peers a lot. I was always kind of thought, eh, they're kind of silly, they're kind of goofy, they're kind of stupid sometimes. So I just didn't go through that stage at that point. I wanted to start, like when I was 12 years old, I wanted to start working and saving and, you know, I, I don't know. I just didn't, that's just the way I was. Do you think you that's know? a product of your um, parenting that, that your parents and growing up on a farm in a, so you grew up in Holly, Colorado, yeah? Yep, yeah. So, so Holly's a tiny place. Oh, yeah, really tiny. Uh, I think the biggest it ever got was about 1,100 people. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's pretty small. Uh, yeah, uh, my family's had a grocery store there for about, since 1940. So, Jeez. 70, yeah. And then uh, my parents have a, 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 a farm there that they bought in the mid-60s. And that's when I came along. But yeah, I do think maybe my parents were never the type of people that said, now you do this and you do that. Because uh, they were, in my eyes, they were doing those things already. They weren't uh, contradicting themselves with what they say you should be doing and what they then went and did themselves. Yeah, that's so they, right. They were, they were very good role models. And, and I grew up around that and I hadn't, you know, I had no idea how powerful that was until I got to be in like my mid twenties. And I thought, you know, mom and dad really never told me that much, but I don't seem to have some of the problems that not that I'm perfect, but uh, I don't seem to have some of the confusion about life that some of my other friends do. And some of the other people I've been around. Wow. You know, that um, being able to be raised in a very settled environment and um i think that's very in terms of your psychological uh, spiritual health very very powerful to be able to say that you didn't that you didn't go through that teenage angst and uh you know wondering what your place was in the world and all those yeah. things it's a real credit to your parents for that not being the do as i do not do as i say not as i do thing. Yeah. so they're obviously been they've obviously been great role models and so what was your goal when you first started on your personal journey in fitness? Was it to play sports or just to be fit or what, what was your aim at that stage? 
well, uh, like I said, when I was about 15 or so, I got really interested in in the idea that I could use, there were actionable things that I could do to change me. I got really interested in that in any ter- in any sense of the uh, of that word. And so exercise became one of those. And, uh, you know, I was mentioning the chiropractor before, uh, I was in there because I had hurt my back at one point, I think working at the grocery store. And, uh, I went to him and I said, Hey, you know, I've got all this acne on my chin and stuff, you know, it's 15 years old as you know, most boys do. And he said, uh, well, why don't you just quit eating, uh, sugar and, cut way back on dairy and and he goes because I used to work outside a lot and I get you know sweaty and I just had the habit of wiping myself like this um, all the time and he goes and by the way stop doing that all the time and sure enough uh, that cleared it up yeah and so that that triggered the wheels in my head of oh there's things that you know you can do to help yourself if you just learn them and figure them out and work with them yeah very so nice I, I think that's what really got me thinking uh, and interested in in that. Okay, so but when um, at what stage did you take that to become full time? So to your profession, because you uh, spent some time doing other things along the way. Yeah, uh, I started. That's a good question, and it's kind of tricky for me to answer because I actually started helping people. Uh, with their health and fitness not too long after I first discovered it. So by the time I was 15 or 16, I was already helping a, a big group of friends and oh, wow. family and friends of family and things like that. But I had no idea that what I was doing was some type of, you know, occupation or business. I was just doing it. So I was doing it for people before I knew I could make money at it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it wasn't really a thing in those days either, was it? You know, there was in the in the 70s, nobody ever talked about a personal trainer. It was pretty, yeah. it would be pretty rare. You'd be a basketball coach or a football coach or a weightlifting coach yep. or a running coach. But nobody yeah. said just for general fitness and general health, we need a coach. Right. And nowadays, yeah. they're everywhere in almost every gym around the world. There are, and outside gyms, there are personal trainers. Yeah, that's very, very true. And especially true uh, where I came from. I was very, you know, it was great to grow up in a small area, but it was very uh, sheltered too, you know. So there wasn't a lot of exposure to a lot of things in culture that maybe I would have gotten if I'd grown up somewhere else. So. Yeah. And so what do you call what you do now, do you just with your clients or how do you advertise what you do? If you, if I was to say, okay, I'm interested in, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm sitting around in, uh, I work at my laptop all day, every day. And I realize I'm getting a, a pudgy belly and I want to do something about it. I look up the internet. How would you distinguish yourself from someone else? Well, um, usually that's by word of mouth. Um, I've, you know, I've done some, a little bit of advertising. I had, uh, I had a PR person for a while, but I never did feel like I got my worth from those things. I always felt like, you know, I just got, it was just much easier for me to work with people who knew the people that I was already working with. 
Yeah. Because when you're hired, and maybe I'm not qualified to state this as much as some other people are, but when you're hired in a way that's outside of your social circle, people uh, tend to scrutinize and look at you in a little different way than, you know, if they know what you're doing is working for someone they know, you know, they feel more confident with you. Yeah, I, I imagine so, that's true where um, if they don't know you, they're more likely to lump you in with a bunch of other people. And what, what um, I don't know if you use this phrase over there, but um, we get our tire kickers uh, here and the people are just walking around from car to car, just kicking the tires. Yeah. And whereas if you know, if somebody says you really want to go and buy such and such a car, you kind of go straight to that car and you already have some trust in that brand obviously uh you know having other people recommend you and have already worked with you perhaps it limits the number of tire kickers you get yes so what sort of programs are you doing with your clients and do you work with clients from all walks of life and all uh you know yep. male and female all ages all walks of life yeah absolutely i've worked with you know 10 year old boys and girls and younger couple well about a year and a half ago now i worked with a maybe two years ago now i worked with a 93 year old gentleman that, oh no uh, really yeah yeah we're, uh, and then just all different types of people in all different types of condition and you know just all different varieties of what they want to get from doing exercise or changing their lifestyle you know yeah just any anyone really and have you had anybody famous? Yes. Yes. I've had several famous folks. I don't know if you're allowed to name those people. I'm sure some of them would be a little bit tender with their identity. Yeah. Yes, but, I have. Uh, I've trained uh, Christian Bale. He's one of my most notable Batman ones. Yeah, exactly. Batman. But that was before Batman. We trained for uh, American Psycho. Oh, okay. Yeah kind of a psycho crazy thriller uh, type of movie. But um, if you've ever seen it, I, I think he looks uh, fantastic for that movie. Yeah. And, and then uh, I worked after Beverly Hills, the Beverly Hills cop series. Yeah. Uh, I worked with judge Reinhold. Oh yeah. So yeah. He What's was he like? Cause he, he, I reckon he looks like a, a really nice guy. He just looks like that sort of guy you'd, you'd want to go and have a beer with, you know, he's that sort of friendly looking fella. Yeah, he really is. He, I was really surprised how big he is. He's a, I'm six foot two, you know, and he was six foot six, just, you oh. know, he's a great big old guy. And I was worried I was going to kind of change his character a little bit by changing his posture. Cause you know, he's kind of got that, you know, <laughs> that thing about him, you know, <laughs> and uh so but you know he was a lot of fun to work with a lot of fun to work with yeah a great wow. guy and um yeah it was a, a really cool experience and then i've also worked with uh brendan frazier oh really yeah yeah worked with brendan frazier uh i believe brendan got famous doing uh encino man yeah he so, did encino man and then he did um oh some something where he's underground for 30 years being raised by his parents and came up a uh, blast from the past <laughs> or something like that. And yeah. Um, yeah. He was a bit of a heartthrob for a while, wasn't he? 
Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, and I've got a few more that I can't mention. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those, those are, you know, people that people know. Yeah, that's, so. that's good. Um, and I mean, it's, it's perhaps an indictment on our, on, uh, our psyche that the first thing uh, I wanted to know was, uh, did you work with anyone famous? Because, <laughs> you know, it's as if, uh, fame is what ultimately matters. And I'm sure that the people who are uh, not famous deserve your attention as much as those who are. But yeah. the fact that you're in uh, LA, you know, it kind of, it kind of conjures up that you might get access to some of the world's leading stars. So you mentioned with uh, judge Reinhold that, uh, you know, you were it's working with his posture. And so yeah. do, you, do you make a physical assessment of your clients or do you just go by what they say? So if Judge Reinhold had come to you and said, I want better abs, <laughs> you, would you work with him on those? Or would you say, listen, mate, at the end of the day, I think you need to work on your posture or? Yeah, I, the customer is always right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I acknowledge that right away. When they're okay. hiring me, I say, you know, okay, let's, let's tackle that. Let's do that. And, uh, then I'll mention that as kind of, you know, a, a secondary thing, by the way, um, you know, you see your alignment here. Can you back up against the wall? Can you lay down flat on the floor? Can you get your neck straight? Uh, you know, things like that. You know, can you keep your shoulders in the right position, reach your arms overhead? Can you take in a deep breath? So things like that. And those kind of things end up actually being ex exposed in exercise. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. Uh, is, isn't it funny? I heard, and this is a, a bit of a tangential sort of comment, but I, I've never done a flotation tank. Ah. And um, one of the uh, one of the stories I heard about those flotation tanks is that you lie there in this sort of suspended state with no sound, or unless it's just music, and no light and no movement, no weight, because you're in this saline solution, uh, water, or whatever it is. Yeah. And they said, of all the things, that brings out all the injuries that you've got. You just start to ache in places where you have the little niggles, where, you know, being able to move around and change your position daily stops you from, you know, we get to adjust. But when you're lying and floating in water, everything that isn't perfectly aligned and doesn't, it isn't functioning as correctly as it should be starts to ache. And I find yeah. I, when I heard that, I was kind of surprised and um, a little bit intrigued about that. And I wonder how many aches and pains I would experience if I lie down in that water. And uh, so, so are there, are there any um, others doing what you do or is this, have you formulated your own real little um, program? Well, there's, there's a few guys that do things that are, they're very similar and very, uh, very close to what I do, but I do have a kind of little niche, um, in what I do. So for the first decade or so that I worked out, it was all lifting weights. Western bodybuilding or body sculpting or any of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, there wasn't really, unless, unless you were a part of a, another culture, uh, there wasn't really that much else available back then. Yeah. So if you were lifting weights and you were bodybuilding, then that's pretty good. <laughs> Yo, so then, um, I ran into, um, or I read a book by uh, Joe Weider, and he said that 
he advocated for lifting weights, but he said, before you start lifting weights, you should know how to lift your own body and move your own body. Before you lift external things, you should know how to do things with your own self. So then I just started, you know, getting really interested in what I could do with my own body weight. And that led me off in another direction. So then I got, uh, I got very, um, as, a res as a result of that, somehow I was put together with a friend of mine uh, just by complete coincidence who had been to China. And he came back and he knew, you know, kind of my, my story a little bit. And he came to me and he said, Dan, he goes, so I did these exercises. Uh, you know, he, he worked with the Chinese government. Um, he, he trained uh, some Chinese athletes and, you know, things like that. And he goes, I have to show you these body weight exercises. They're incredible. So sure enough, uh, I, he showed, he ran me through them and uh, I was blown away because I'd, I'd been able to do all kinds of things with weights and things like that. And, you know, the body weight stuff that I knew, but uh, no one had ever told me what to do with my mind while I was working out. And no one had ever told wow. me what to do with my breath. And no one had ever told me what to do with my eyes. And no one had ever told me to feel the ground or feel in general when you exercise. And, um, yeah, so that's uh, just those things right there. You would tap into, I think, ninety nine point nine percent of the population's utter ignorance. Because I, I find myself going, well, you know, through martial arts, I know about uh, breath, and I realise, of course, I don't know all about breath, but I've been introduced to the subject. So, yeah, I guess um, you know, if you you have a look at somebody who's a a breath guru. And you get these guys that are lived in mountains and meditated and concentrated yeah. on their breathing forever. I guess yeah. they would be your uh, grandmasters in that. Well, I'm probably from in a martial arts sense, probably a yellow belt in breath. Um, <laughs> you know, but eyes, yeah. uh, I'd never even really, um, I've never really even contemplated what to do with your eyes while you're training. So, what can you just expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, it kind of depends on a few different things. And it depends on what your intention is. Right. So if you, want, if you wanted to, uh, I think almost all martial artists would, you'd be hard to find one that was not familiar with the horse dance. Yeah. So uh, I have my own, or, you know, the training that I learned has its own horse dance to it. And of course, when you're doing the horse dance for a length of time, what, starts to really talk to you is your mind right because you have you the body has pain but the mind is saying this is killing me yes that's save right your, save yourself you know so it will it'll actually tell your eyeballs start looking around where's the trouble what do you what do you need to get where do you need to go you know uh it'll start talking to you so i would just have if you know that was the, the goal of this particular client, I would just have them put their eye on the the smallest point they could directly in front of them, and do this particular style of breathing, and then uh, it, it kind of goes on from there a little bit. But pretty pretty soon they can kind of almost uh, project themselves over to the, to to the spot that their eyes are on, and wow. then they get. I don't want to use the word disembodied too much, but you know, they, they, they're still obviously doing what they're doing, 
but somewhat removed at the same time. And they're just gaining that focus of, you know, I'm keeping my eyes here and I'm keeping my breath rate here and I'm holding my body as still as I can. And I'm holding, you know, I'm doing this contraction, you know, that's about it. So yeah. it allows them to add a, a, a measure of focus to their training. That's probably lacking in a lot of other training regimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And how to use, you know, how to use it too. Like, you know, if that's something that you're curious about, you would, you would naturally want to explore, like say you wanted to do something challenging, uh, you would naturally feel that you have a diversion to it. Or, you know, you would find all kinds of reasons and find all kinds of ways to not do it. So then, then you would know, oh, well, that's where the alchemy lies. The alchemy lies in me seeing that I'm trying to get out of this and placing myself right in the core of it. Do people try and get out of the stuff that's hardest for them? So, for example, um, you're talking about uh, the guy in a horse, horse stance. And so I'm, if I'm conscious that I don't have strong legs, for example, or if you're asking them to sit in a V-sit for any length of time and I'm conscious that I don't have a good core, yeah. uh, are they the ones that they're trying to get rid of? They're trying to stop having to do those exercises, move on to another one. And that's where you get the most scattered mindset. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Those types of those, that's a type of person that has the most to gain from, because, you know, there's that, uh, you know, that, that saying of uh, what's in the way is the way, Yeah. you know? So I've got, I've got clients too that, you know, have those kind of challenges. And I'll say to them when they're struggling, I say, I try not to be too direct with them, but yet make a point because, you know, when you speak to someone and you speak to them directly and you give them the meaning right up front and they don't do any deciphering on their own, it doesn't go very deep. But when you say to someone, someone that's having a, an issue with something that's difficult for them, uh, the other day I mentioned to my client that a person who uh, enjoys a challenge really has it made in life. I told yeah. him that the other, the other day. I said, a person who has, you know, enjoys the challenge really has it made in life. If you like a challenge, you're golden. Yeah, it's true, you know? isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's something that um, I, I, really, uh, I really feel for people that don't get, you know, because life is all about changes and challenges and every, everything's happening all at once in life, you know, and if you're up for the ride and if you're an explorer and, and you want to play and look at life like you can make something of it and grow yourself as a result, you got it made, you know? Yeah, isn't it a fascinating thing? And I think it goes all the way back to our early days must be um, must almost be in our DNA because really when you have a look at early man exploring and creating and being challenged almost every single day was life that if yeah. you didn't find a way to catch your food yeah. to fend off predators to remain safe against safe in the storm to seek out new uh, types of food or new types of shelter and to be creating 
clothing or whatever we did as a species in, that enabled us as small and puny and toothless and flawless <laughs> as we are, yeah. Yeah. enabled us to survive. It was all those, it was meeting all of those challenges head on. So you're quite right. It's probably right in our DNA to look for and confront those challenges. And those people that can do that best seem to survive better, even in today's soft first world. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I think that people have just completely, uh, completely lost touch of the fact that we came from people that used to live on the ground and hunt for their food and get hot and get cold and get hurt and have to go on incredible journeys. And yeah, I I think people forget that, that that's a part of, that's a part of what makes us who we are is adapting to things. You know, that's a part of, of the changes that make you grow. You know, like we used to, like I was mentioning with uh, the hot and the cold, I'm an advocate of taking cold showers. And I've got clients that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get them. And there's, oh, no, you know, I could never do that. I said, now that's the reason you have to do it because you don't want to do it. That's the biggest thing. And, and, and they'll say, I, I just, you know, I just can't do that. And I say, well, that doesn't mean you're, that doesn't mean you're going to plunge right underneath it. Just get your hands and feet in there, you know, to put sprinkle a little bit on, the, on your arms the first time. People just don't even want to approach it. You know, they're, they're beat back by their own minds before they even get close. It's a fascinating know? thing that in today's society, people have been conditioned to comfort. And so yeah. we, we create central heating that allows us to modify the heating in increments of degrees um, so that you can, you know, if 18.5 degrees is not warm enough for you, Celsius, so I don't know what that is, yeah. but if, uh, if uh, say, 70 degrees is not warm enough for you, then we can turn that to 71, you know. And, I know. It's and, crazy. And there's there's uh, dual heating controls in your car that allow us to make sure that where you're seated, the, hair, the heating can come out at a different temperature to where I'm seated. Yeah. And you know, it's all about making sure we've got the softest, most comfortable furniture and the, the, the refrigeration that allows our food to be the best temperature and the ambient temperature and the lighting and the sound is all modified to become ultimate for comfort. And so yeah. really what we're doing is stripping away the things that made us resilient as a species. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so very true. Because those are the things that really show you who you are, you know, like you, you go through those, those changes. And you know, you, you know, if you went through this life, and you didn't ever bump up against anything that was ever a challenge, you wouldn't really ever find out who you are, you know, you'd, you just kind of float along through life and just be like, Oh, okay. I guess that was life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and you met every meaningless challenge that was put in front of you. Well, congratulations. Well, you know, you didn't have to, nobody, nothing forced you to strive to reach beyond that base level of human existence that everybody else, you look around you and everybody else is achieving this very base level of mediocrity. And, um, yeah nobody's asking anybody just to strive beyond that and do something more. 
And um, I think as a species, we, and as a psyche, we need more. People need to reach. They need to strive. They need, one of my favorite sayings, excuse me. <clears throat> one of my favorite sayings is, like a pencil is sharpened up against something hard. Uh-huh. We have to right. be, you know, you don't sharpen a pencil against cotton wood, cotton, cotton wool. It gets sharpened against a very sharp, hard edge. And we right. need to bump up against hard edges in order for us to be sharp. And it's the same yeah. in any endeavor where people are asked to be the best. Anything elite. If you're an elite footballer, you're up against the most elite of your competition. If you're an elite yeah. martial artist or mixed martial artist, you're up against the world's best. In order to wear the, the belt, Muhammad Ali had to stand up and punch and punch and duck and weave with the greatest fighters on the planet yeah. in order to wear that belt. Yeah. You have a look at tactical, elite tactical teams, your SWAT, things like that. They're up against the worst of the criminal element that are out there. And yeah. they stay sharp by being that. And elite soldiers and special forces are all up against. And so yes. if in life you're up against nothing, then you're, you're resigning yourself to the most mediocre existence. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, everyone has their own. It's totally true uh, what you're just saying, but everyone has their own little version of that. You know, yes. there, there were the like you were saying, the Muhammad Ali's. And, uh, you know, there's the, the 70 year old school teacher, you know, uh, she has some version of that. Yeah. But it's definitely on a different level. <laughs> you would hope so. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's all different types of that. You know, there's things, things I, I you know, would never think of myself. But yeah, you know, well, that's right. We've all got our own journeys. So you, you were talking just to go back to the, the training um, side of things again. Yep. Because obviously, every time we talk about training, it's almost a natural thing to veer into the psychological as well, isn't it? You can't yeah. separate the two. We can talk about physical training all we like, but if, you, if the mental training is not there as well, then the, the results are going to be limited. Is that fair to say? Yeah, heck yes. That's 100% because your, your mind and body, they, they can't be torn apart unless you're a lost spirit. But yeah, your, your mind and body are there together. Yeah. So um, I was just watching the cat walking past in the background there. <laughs> oh yeah. It's about, it's about dinner time for him. So he starts hanging around me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with, with your training, you, you mentioned earlier that you would ask a client to hold a horse stance, for example, and um, focus on a point and concentrate on their breathing. Yeah. Can you expand just on uh, each of those elements? Let's go back to the horse stance is, yeah isometrics are a big part of what you're teaching and if it is why and how big uh i i do advocate the it depends on the client a little bit because you know isometrics are very disciplined yeah. you know uh they can be very challenging and you know if i'm working with someone who hasn't exercised very much in their life uh they just may not have the ability to recruit like you need, um, you know, muscularly, like you need to be able to, to, to do isometrics. 
but if they're up for the challenge, uh, I think it's a fantastic way to get strong because, you know, when you, when you look at repetition uh, exercises that are done, you know, through a determined amount of repetitions, they're phasic, you know, so you're going up and down in some type of way. You're working against gravity or you're giving in to gravity. Uh, and those two different phases of movement do different things to your body, good and bad. So say, you know, you're a young person, you have the capability to do a lot of different things. You have your choices. But as you get to be maybe a bit more mature, you might want to feel like, oh, well, you know, I want to I want to work as intelligently as I can and be as good to my body as I possibly can. So as I get older, uh, I can keep my movement choices, maybe even increase them. So if you're uh, doing exercises that are static and isometric, then you you take away the damage that's done to the body by doing repetitions. So when you when you just using a squat for example, when you squat down and up, there's tissue damage, soft tissue, little micro tears that happen in the muscles, especially when you give in to gravity. Matter of fact, I think they all happen when you give in to gravity. But when there's no movement, when you're perfectly still, uh, there's hardly any tissue damage. There's hardly any joint damage because you know if you're going to be doing squats. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna lose uh, cartilage. You're gonna lose fluids. You're gonna cause uh, your tissues to to uh, perfuse a little bit to lose fluid, and that's something that you need youth in order to get back. You need regeneration in in order to get that back. So if you want to speed up, if you want to kind of expedite, if you want to expedite getting strong and you want to take away the time it takes to recover, then you got to do the static stuff. Wow. If, I mean, obviously every question that I ask is going to be, well, it depends because that's the nature of male, female, different age groups, different levels of fitness, different levels of injury. So yeah. I realize it's almost a factor to every question that I ask. I realize as I'm asking it that, I'm really asking you to describe for me <laughs> rather than <laughs> for everybody. So if I was to use me as an example, as a 56 year old guy, who's uh, reasonably uh, healthy and well, yep. but you know, carrying uh, the tissue damage you're talking about, yep. how much would I uh, include in my regime of working out static exercises? Would it be, as much as 80% or as little as 20 or? You could play with that a little bit. Um, you could, I'm kind of presuming because uh, we're the age that we are, that you're probably not doing high repetition exercises. Is that correct? I'm not doing, I'm doing, uh, I don't do high repetitions. Well, that's not true. I, what I do is I vary because I like to vary my routines only because I get bored. So um, I will, on one occasion, pick up a much lighter weight than I've been doing. And just for the sake of just getting some endurance going on, I might do uh, 30 reps, 25 right. or 30, instead of right. doing eight of a very heavy. But um, what I've been trying to do, and this is very Western mentality, so you'll have to forgive this 
very, very Western thought <laughs> philosophy that I'm about to spew. But um, I, I will work for hypertrophy yeah. by doing a slightly lower weight, but very, you know, holding and a lot of resistance and slow movements mm. through the muscle just to let that thing carry load. Yep, yep. Again, uh, like you were saying, against gravity and, and uh, giving into gravity. But then for strength, I'll do a very heavy weight and five or six reps. So a much heavier weight, but really yep. just dragging that thing. So if it's a, a yep. pull down, a lat pull down, for example, I'm getting hold yep. of as much weight yep. as I can carry and I'm allowing my whole body to really engage. And then I'll do for endurance, I'll do a much lighter weight, hold myself very still and just move through that. Yeah. But what I do is, and I don't even know if I'm doing it right, I will, in a lat pull down, for example, I will pull the bar right under my chin and just hold that for as long as I can with yeah. that resistance working in that frame, that moment just holding. Yeah. Just ask everything just to sit in that moment mm. and just to, and, and it, again, trying to engage my core, my mind, yeah. my breath. And yep. all of the joint and the muscle tissue in that yep. one moment, just for a period of time. And then I'll let it slowly go back to where it yeah. was. Yeah, that's excellent. Oh, is that? Okay. So I yeah. do that just because I feel like I'm supposed to, but I didn't really know if I was doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. And you can, depending on, you know, your shoulders and things like this, you know, you can do that at the other end of the range of motion too. So you can do, you know, there's uh, bent arm because with that exercise, it's your shoulder blades that determine how, how you're the health of the position of your shoulders in the exercise. So it's easy to keep your shoulder blades down here because they're, they're cued by the movement of your humerus. They have a, they're a rhythm between the two. Um, but if you can go overhead and get some straight arm shoulder blade uh, strength, uh, then you'll be able to work that same idea at the other end of the range of motion. So bent, bent lever and straight lever, you'll want to have shoulder blade strength in both of those positions. Yeah, I, I um, find myself at, um, at the top of the bar and just pulling. Yeah. So starting the action by pulling just with my shoulders. Yes. And not allowing the, the biceps to engage just yet. So it's very much a drag yes. from the scapula yes. and then start the pinching of the muscle groups. Yes. So um, someone else told me to do that uh, years and years ago just to start that action. That's golden. Um, you'll only be able to get a certain amount of that from a lat pull-down bar. You may be able to uh, step that up a little bit if you find a chin-up bar. And this is something you might have, you know, you can play with this just a little bit, but uh, every day I, I hang from a bar yeah, uh, by my arms and, and with my legs in different positions. Okay. Usually, usually, usually start my day off by doing that. I'll usually wake up in the morning. Uh, I've got a concoction that I drink down and then I usually go outside and I get sunlight on me because that triggers your, your biorhythms, your circadian rhythms, and it, it yep. turns, off, turns off melatonin in your brain. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, I'll uh, start doing a series of stretches. One I'll do on an inversion table. So I'm getting 
you know, I'm getting traction one direction on the body and then on another one, I'll, I'll go to the chin-up bar, hang from my arm, so I'm getting traction in another direction of my body. And then uh, it just, I've got my, my chin-up bar bolted to a, a concrete block wall. And so I'll hang on to the bar and put one leg out straight on the concrete block wall and kind of noodle, noodle the hip around that's not, uh, not connected to the leg that's against the concrete wall and yeah. just kind of twist and move and loosen my body up and just kind of feel where, where I need to, you know, stretch, where I need more, you know, movement, where I'm stuck, where there's stagnation, you know. But, uh, yes, yeah, I kind of have a little morning routine that I do. Do you find um... – I was watching a video uh, and I won't mention uh, who it was. It was just some guy on YouTube. And um, he was talking about, you know, when you're, when you're moving in this range. So uh, for the listeners, if I put my hand up beside my, uh, so as if I'm waving, my thumb is near my ear yeah. and I lift like I'm in a shoulder press motion. Do you find that hanging causes any pinching in your shoulder? Is there no AC or rotator cuff pinching as the shoulder, as the humerus lifts up into that socket? So I guess I'm imagining that as I make a cup with my left hand here and I insert my right fist into yeah. it, yeah. that as I lift my arm, there's a stage at which the humerus or the or the the shoulder joint, the ball is actually engaging with the top of that socket there and uh yeah impinging impinging there is there any danger yeah. of that there is there is um it all it kind of depends on a few little things um some people you know that that little cup you're describing is called the glenoid cavity yep uh um some people some people have a tendency for that because of how their glenoid cavity is formed like yeah, their, right. their joint their joint capsule is just uh fuller you Tight. know so it'll, it'll get impinged very, very early on. But some people, you know, you'll, you'll know it. Some people aren't like that at all. I'm, I'm just happen to be one of them. You know, I can, I can hang with my over with my hands crossed the bar overhead and, you know, there's no problem with my shoulders, but some people just can't do that. And some people can get away from it too. After they've practiced for a while, they kind of, you know, get the flexibility because part of, Part of what makes your shoulder impinge there is the lack of the lack of uh, compensation in this area. You know, there's no movement right here. Right through, so through uh, pec, the pec minor, and um, yeah, yeah, all, all the subscapular muscles, all that needs to be able to you know free up and move, so that you know uh, cavity doesn't sit like that. It's gonna it's going to tilt as you hang from your arms. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So you, it allows you to change the angle of your, the, the glenoid cavity there, the um, socket. So yeah, just by being able to, to, I guess, shrug in a way Yep. and a shrug and roll your shoulders fully back and fully forwards and getting that full and complete motion. Yeah. So, yeah. Let me uh, let me just go back to something you also said. You wake in the morning and you drink a concoction. Now, what's that all about? <laughs> Tell me what this, what's this concoction? Oh well, you know it's got uh, certain uh, uh, certain uh, minerals in it. It's a certain temperature. It's 
so I'll make a, a about a 25, probably 25 ounce. I'm not sure what that is. And it doesn't matter. Uh, 25 ounce, maybe a liter okay. of, uh, of water. It's about maybe 90 degrees or 100 degrees, about the temperature of my body or, you know, a healthy body. So almost boiling. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Fahrenheit. So yes, you're right. Sorry, go on. Yep. Um, so it's just, you know, very warm. 30. And then I'll put, uh, I buy this salt called Colima salt. It's mined in Peru by very small, and it's just, just by very small industry there. And it's just full of all kinds of uh, minerals and things. So I'll put a big pinch of that in there. Uh, and then I'll, I'll squeeze the juice of half of a lemon in there. And then I'll put maybe a tablespoon or so of apple cider vinegar in there. And then I drink that down uh, and that's it. Wow. So it's just water at a certain temperature with, with the special salt, the lemon juice and the apple cider vinegar. Okay. And so what do each of those do or do you have to have them in that combination or? Well, you know, water is just, you know, to hydrate you uh, and the, the minerals are, you know, sodium helps you retain water. So you need a certain amount of it. And then the other minerals in there, they have all kinds of other biological functions, hundreds of them. Mm. And then the apple cider vinegar, it's, I forget which it is, but it makes your, it makes your body adapt from a more uh, acid to a more alkaline state. Yeah. And then lemon juice, um, it's got, you know, just a little vitamin C and it's got a, you know, kind of got that zesty little kick to it. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of a waker upper a little okay. bit. Nice. Yeah, Isn't, um, and my understanding is lemon juice of all the citrus fruits is more alkaline or is on the alkaline side, whereas the others are more acidic. I don't know if that's, if I'm being accurate uh, there, but. Oh, you know, I don't know about that. Hmm. I don't know. I heard that the other day and I was, cause I was quite surprised. Um, uh, I, I, I struggle with lemon juice. I, I find it gives my mouth ulcers. It's the strangest thing. Yeah. There's people that are very sensitive to, to that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, don't know true. What that, I don't know what that means. So when you work with your clients, do you do any of that um, encouraging them in certain uh, nutrition directions as well? Absolutely. Yeah. It all depends on, you know, obviously where their current diet's at. Yeah, um, I suppose the first thing you do is just tell them to cut down on the sugars and the fats and the... Yeah, uh, it's the trickiest part of what I do is try to help people with what they do when I'm not there. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll usually ask them to, to make some kind of a little diet, you know, log of what they eat and try to work with them on it and see if I can incorporate some things in there that uh, are better choices. Yeah, so, I think you know, um, we, we, we talk about um, in the morality sphere, we talk about integrity being what you do when someone's not watching. <laughs> and um, same yeah. thing with discipline. You know, your discipline is what you do when someone's not watching. And obviously the discipline that uh, your clients <laughs> need to have yeah. is, is when you're not watching and, and the discipline to do the right thing, or if they haven't to actually write down accurately what they did 
for inspection yep. and scrutiny by you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think, um, not to boast on myself a little bit, but I think um, because because I am my work. Yeah. You know, I I'm like, I'm kind of almost you know, uh, I'm a little of an idiot not to you know say but i'm a little bit of an idiot in other ways because i'm so fascinated with what i do so when people are around me i'm probably a little bit boring in terms of you know like i'm that guy at the cocktail party unless you're talking about fitness i'm probably not very interested interesting so i think for that same reason uh when i'm around when i'm around my clients they see that i'm just so hyper focused on it that there's not much else available. <laughs> there's there's the bandwidth. Uh, the bandwidth is taken up by that one thing, but that's okay. Yeah. It's, what, it's what makes you good and successful at what you do. And we all have that niche. There's always, um, you know, something that uh, people are extraordinarily focused on and very, very good at. And, uh, and I guess that's what separates the masters from the jacks of all trade is, um, you know, the, there's a level of focus that is required to become a master, but you can't become a master at everything. So you choose something that you're fascinated in and you go and you run with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so totally. what about mindset? Where did you, where did you get hold of and where do you get your information on mindset and focus and all that? Because you're obviously a very focused individual. Is that studied or is that partly natural as well? I think it's partly natural. I think it's partly that, uh, it's partly that, um, I like to look at what I think and, you know, judge it and scrutinize it and think, oh, that's not actually, you know, all to the story, or that's not a hundred percent correct. Or how could it be better? How can I improve it? You know? Yeah. That's just kind of part of who I am. Mm. I just enjoy that as I, I think it's a double-edged sword in that all things always need improvement. All things always need refinement all the time. But you also have to see that uh, things are perfect exactly the way they are too, you know? Like however things are, wherever they are, however bad they are, are, are completely natural. But that doesn't make them preferable, you know? You gotta see, you gotta see that it takes both sides of life to, to know, you know, there's some humility goes with, with knowing that all things need refinement, because if you think that's, if that's all you think, rather, you don't understand that you're working with something outside of yourself. That's way bigger, you know? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think that that duality in life is, is uh, what is, I'm going to say, uh, very lacking in society because people don't see the yin and the yang. They, yeah. they, and they polarize. This is one of the reasons why people are becoming so polarized today is they place themselves so firmly in a camp. And so, yeah. they, you know, and, and again, there's low hanging fruit that we can talk about all the time. Uh, yeah. And politics is a low-hanging fruit, but it's um, it's the most obvious because everywhere you go, you guys are now heading towards a major election, and it's going to shape really 
politics worldwide, what happens as a result of that. But you get Americans that are buying into one camp firmly or the other camp so firmly without realising that things exist in that duality, that you're quite right. And there's a beauty to be had in that all things are perfect as they are, but all things can be refined, more perfecter. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Everything's always changing, but yet it's perfect the way it is. Yeah, and it's a, there's, a, uh, a, there's a healthy level of acceptance that regardless of how, regardless of the state we're in, we're fine, but, but there's always something to strive for. And so there's incredible yeah. duality in that. I also think, and I was chatting with somebody recently about the notion of judgment versus preference that you can say, oh, this is, you know, this is not my preference, but I don't hold it to my judgment. And there's a, even a difference between holding something up for scrutiny and holding it up to judgment. The judgment yeah. is placing a set of values that I impose on something rather than just saying, you know, objectively I can scrutinize this or I can scrutinize something up against a set of values that are world, worldwide or universal, you know, so, you know, the duality I think is really important. Do yeah, you absolutely. ever talk to your clients about mindset changes as they move forward? I, I do. Um, it's not really my field, you know, uh, but, uh, and it's, it's hard to talk to people about those things for the same reason as what I mentioned before, that, that uh, people don't often see the things that they're up against. You know what I mean? So when you speak to them directly about them, they're like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, they, they don't, they don't have anything for that. They don't get that. But if you can suggest something and, uh, you know, and, and make them figure it out on their own, then, then when that little, that they make that, they'll make that little flip in there that is like, oh, bing, and the light comes on, you know? So, yeah, I do talk to them about that, but uh, I don't think I really ever get a strong sense that uh, they make those, those changes, but uh yeah, I do talk to my clients about those types of things because I've had clients who will who will work out and they would uh and I push people and I know, you know, that I'm a part of what's going on, but they would they would uh lash out at me. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh and I would say to them, Oh, say, Well, you're really getting those demons out today, aren't you? <laughs> you know or um once i said to someone uh oh you're really taking out the trash today aren't you <laughs> you know in here you know it's all it's all just you know you're really cleaning that trash out and they're like oh okay you know <laughs> that's i think that's really good because a lot of people would become defensive and say hey don't take it out on me i'm here trying to help you and if you know, if all you're going to do is yell at me, then I can't work with you. And yeah, um, there's a real lack of sort of understanding of what's happening in that moment. And I even find that in, in what I do for a living uh, conflict management training. Yeah. People misunderstand why people get upset and um, yeah. you know, why someone might lash out. There's something quite deep going on at that moment. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with how they feel about themselves, not necessarily 
about how they feel about you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Usually that's what triggers those kind of things is, you know, something about themselves. Yeah. And you're just the guy who's pushing them to see that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. They hadn't gone far enough to know that quite yet. You know, Yeah. that's why challengers are so golden. That's why exactly. challengers are, are they're, they're great medicine, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why challengers, challengers and challengers. So life's challenges are really important because they reflect us back to us. Yes. Hmm. And then someone yeah. who will step in and be and and challenge us will reflect us back to us a, a lot as well. And um, I think that self-reflection is something that generally could be, I think, added to the water uh, in society. You know, a little bit of self-reflection wouldn't go astray. Um, when you were talking about you like to challenge what or think about what you're thinking and challenge why you're thinking that and um, nut through where did that thought come from and how appropriate is that and what's it based on and what do I do yeah. with that thought? And yeah, and, and there's something very healthy in that. And uh, I don't think there's enough of it that goes on. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever taught that, you know, no one's ever taught. There's a whole bunch you learned that, when you were a young person that that did not come from inside you you learned you learned so much about yourself that you were told you know that <laughs> you really don't know you that well <laughs> you know <laughs> you know what someone else thinks of you exactly you know you you you've been uh you know you've been taught the the dream of the planet you know yeah. the dream of manhood the dream of you know, what it's like to be a big brother or what it's like to be a, a good person. You know what I mean? And those are, those are all good things to do, to learn. They're all good to know, but unless, you know, it's like gratitude, like little, little kids, uh, they were, they're often taught to say thank you, but no one really ever told, uh, or no one ever really tells small children to feel gratitude. Yeah, it's a good point. It, you know, to feel it. If you feel it, you'll want to say thank you. But if you're saying thank you and you don't feel it, you don't get it. And it's just like, what? Yeah. You can see that in little kids all the time. They're just stumped by, I got to, what? What's this about? You know, I mean, no one ever taught them just to feel that. Yeah, it's, isn't it interesting? And, I, and uh, same with the word sorry. And, and people find it really hard to be sincere about an apology. And, and it's very much that uh, lack of understanding and empathy for your involvement and engagement with others, your involvement in someone's well-being or otherwise, your gratitude that they've been involved in your well-being and your apology that you've been involved in anything that has disturbed their well-being yeah. and the sincerity that you're able to muster to express that to someone in any given yeah. moment. Matter. And you're right, being able to attach someone to the feeling and not the word is more important because you can go to any culture and the word changes, but the feeling doesn't. The feeling's still there. Yeah, that's true. It should be. Yeah, that's so true. So very true. Yeah. So how, if we uh, just, just sort of uh, circling back on the training thing, what do you think people should do every single day? Is there something that body weight exercises or 
Are there things that people just should do? Yeah. <laughs> I would say the first thing that you should start doing is breathing. Okay, there you go. The, first, the very first thing that you should start doing is putting your lips together, putting your teeth together very gently, press your tongue slightly forward in your mouth, and only breathe in and out through your nostrils. Mm. See if you can do that mm. all day long, every single day. Yeah. And I'm in, you're, you're speaking of camps earlier. <laughs> uh, I'm in the camp of people, and you know, not everyone's up for this, but I'm in the camp of individuals who like to sleep with some tape over their mouth at night so they wow. can breathe in and out of their nose yeah. uh, all night long. And uh, that took some getting used to, but it was worth it. It was so worth it for me. It really just changed uh, how I feel. That every, every morning uh, that I, since, I've, I've been doing this now for about a year, but um, uh, every morning now I, I feel refreshed. I, can, I used to wake up and, and have like a nice strong tea or a nice strong coffee every morning. I don't feel like I need it anymore. I have yeah. my c concoction and I go outside and I get direct sun on my face and my skin. Uh, and I'm, I'm ready to start things, you know? So that's been a, a, a huge change for me. A huge. I was listening to a, um, a Joe Rogan podcast and he had a guy on there who was talking about breath. And it's a fascinating subject, and and it's one that I think um, even even those. It sounds like you're far more advanced in the in the field than uh, most people. But I think even those of us who include breathing in what they do. So I include breathing in martial arts training. Yeah. But even those of us who do that, we only touch the surface. And um, yeah. I know for me that I have major issues with my nose. The it's been broken so many times that uh, of a night time it just doesn't breathe well. And so I know full well that I'm not getting the breath that I'm supposed to be getting for the sleep, the um, the quality of the sleep that I'm supposed to be getting. I know that's true, and I'm really just uh, lining myself up for my next surgery to clear all that out so that I can go back and breathe properly. But the turbinates are the uh, bones that grow down the side, beside the, on the side of the nose. And the yep. turbinates for people like me that have had their nose broken, they thicken. And when they thicken, they block off the passages. And so there's just very little airway. And so I'm a terrible mouth breather of a nighttime and it's awful yep. and it stops yep. me sleeping and I just hate it. Incidentally, the thing that helps me sleep and breathe more through my nose is hydrating so keeping uh -huh. the passages clear yeah um really helps so if i don't if i don't drink enough water then uh, I, I won't breathe at night and my sleep is terribly affected but yeah um when i listen to these other people these and i've and i've been listening to other people talking about breathing it makes you realize that there's so much more to be had via breathing and um, so many more health benefits to be gained via appropriate and effective breathing. And I know, and imagine 
of all times to have this conversation. We're having it where in the midst of a pandemic, COVID-19 and COVID-19 of course affects the lungs and and implants the virus into the lung tissue and causes the lung tissue to, to die and to, to coagulate in the lungs and so that people can't get that up. And so obviously developing breathing control and breath strength and technique would allow you to be more effective in combating the virus, more effective in coughing it up and getting rid of it if you did have it. Um, And so there's a lot of preventative stuff that can become very handy against disease just through breathing practice. Yes, you're so right that there's just with nose breathing, there's a whole list of things that are beneficial. Um, You know, when you breathe through your nose, since it's a smaller orifice, the lower diaphragm has to work a little bit more. So it needs something to draw against in order to fully pull down. Yeah. And also when you breathe through your nose, uh, the air that's moving into your lungs gets warmed. And when you're breathing cold air uh, through your mouth, it's hard to pull hard for your body to pull oxygen out of it because you know, it doesn't see it as air as easily as it does when it's warmer. Yeah. Uh, And then also when you breathe into your nose, uh, your breath gets infused with nitrous oxide, nitric oxide rather. So, uh, that's like uh, uh, an air purifier, air sta- uh, sanitizer, you know, kind of cleans the air. Yeah. So it's an immunity boost. And then also breathing through your nose. Uh, so when you breathe into your nose and you've got that deep diaphragmatic breath going, that deep breath triggers one side of your nervous system. And when you breathe up into this area, it triggers a different part of your nervous system, which most, most people are overly, you know, overly parasympathetic all the time. Yeah, so exactly. When you breathe into your low abdomen, uh, see the, the upper lungs are a lot less blood and more nervous system, and the lower lungs are a lot less nervous system and a lot more blood. So you get a lot more oxygen from the air you pull into your lower lungs than you do from the air you pull into your upper lungs. So, yeah, so it's a and, lot more, it's just uh, overall, it's more efficient, isn't it? Because you get a slower, deeper, more filtered through the nitric oxide and more humidified, warmer breath pulled down in deep and then it triggers a more um, a relaxed and uh, satisfied response from the body. Absolutely, yes. And there's, there's people that are trying to, they're trying to make therapeutic changes, you know, with themselves. And they're fighting against that if they're mouth breathers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're a nose breather, you know, it, uh, it'll happen a lot easier. But yeah, that's been a really big change for me. So, and also to kind of add to your question of uh, daily practices, with learning to breathe through my nose more, I've gained the ability to take one breath in a minute of time over several minutes. So one inhale will be about 30 seconds and one exhale will be about 30 seconds. 
and wow. I can keep that going for several minutes. And that's so, so, you know, that just really changes your state. It's just so calming, so relaxing, so focusing. It's yeah. just so nice and so pleasant. You just feel like, man, I've just got, I've just, I'm really calming my, I've got control of what's, you know, of what's going on. Crazy. I mean, that's, um, it would seem to me that most people need that calming, more meditative ability to breathe um, just, to, just to calm them down for their daily activities. There's so much stress. There's so much depression. There's so much suicide. There's so much anxiety and there's so much conflict in the world. I think as a result of a lot of this stuff that maybe people could start fixing if they would just concentrate on being able to settle themselves a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree, could not agree with you more. I think it'd be a better society if people were nose breathers. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> every time, every time uh, it sounds like such an insult. It's one of those things where, you know, once upon a time, people would point at uh, fat people and, and make fun. And you can see in the future, people will be pointing at mouth breathers and going, oh, look, look at that mouth breather over there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I think, um, you know, given that, given that there's such a, we talk about the COVID pandemic at the moment, but there's been a health epidemic for generations as obesity is affecting society to the degree that I read somewhere recently that the United States has, for the first time in, I think it's a century, had the lifespan, the life, life expectancy of a generation drop and it's because of obesity. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's gone up and up and up from a hundred years ago when your life expectancy could be in the forties and the fifties, and then it's gone up and then during wartime, it didn't get much better, but then we've gradually improved so that the life expectancy of a male in the United States would be, uh, you know, late seventies around 80 and of a female, probably uh, early eighties. Yep. And for yep. the first time, it's dropped uh, in, in the last century or so. I'm not 100% sure of the statistic, but and they relate a lot of that to obesity and um, poor diet and poor physical and mental health. And so yep. the more people that can sort of connect with this idea of, like you were saying, a routine, getting up, exposing yourself to some uh, vitamin D for a little while, uh, kicking your circadian rhythms into action, drinking down some good uh, vitamins and minerals and keeping your diet healthier. And it's not, it's not about a 180 degree change. It's about, let's start incrementally. Just take something out of your diet. You know, yeah. you might have uh, fast food three times a week. We'll have it twice a week right. or, yeah. or, or on one uh, Big Mac meal don't have the fries, you know, just do something, yeah. replace it with, I don't know, replace it with an apple. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. Just do something different. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think another, another thing, another little subtle thing and that would change society a lot is if uh, you know, we've all been talking or not a lot of people are rather are talking about fasting. Yes. Different types of fasting. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of that. And so I've used fasting with my clients to help lose weight. I think that's a, an, an excellent tool. I'm fasting today, actually. 
Oh, for the day? Yeah, I'm on a, a cleanse day. Um, oh, very good. Yeah. How do you feel? Oh, I, I like the cleanse days. Um, yep. The only the only struggle I have is uh, that my family, my partner, is a, a wonderful cook, and so if the uh, <laughs> if she cooks up something really nice, and the kids are sitting there, you know, making the munching and the slurping noises, and I get the smells, and it, it that's the struggle is that it it um, you know it conjures up that hunger. But yeah, otherwise, um, you know, it's uh, what time is it now? It's 10.30 in the morning here. I haven't eaten. I've had, um, I don't know, about maybe 200 mils of water. And so a, a, maybe a cup of water and a, a cup of tea. But I don't feel hungry. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll be on a cleanse. I'm going to have a cleanse solution that'll help me now to... Um, That'll help me just to rid uh, some of the toxins out of my system and just to regulate the, the minerals and things in my system. Yeah. And I'll drink a couple of liters of that today. And then yep. tomorrow morning, I'll wake up and uh, be ready to go with something new, nutritious and yep. fill my body and my body will be ready to absorb that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I've been, uh, along with the fasting, I've also been advocating uh, to my clients for them to... Uh, and this is part of the morning routine that I advocate that I, you know, try to get my clients to do is to get some low level fat burning exercise in before breakfast. Okay. Uh, can you give fast, us an example? Fasted, like uh, it's called fasted cardio. So right. it could, it could be anything that's not weightlifting, uh, or too highly aerobic. So going for a light jog going for, you know, uh, a walk, going for a, a bike ride for, you know, 20, 30 minutes every day, uh, you'll lose weight just because of that. Because when you wake up in the morning, uh, your body, your body, you know, is in that fasted state and all your blood work is perfect for you to burn fat. Normally, if someone goes to the gym and they want to, they want to burn fat, they have to burn through all their sugar stores first. Then their body will start burning fat. But in the morning, you're already set to do that. So any exercise that you do while you're fasted in the morning before breakfast is fat burning. And if you can start that habit over the next few months, you'll you'll shred up. You know, you'll shred up. You'll lose some weight. You'll lose fat. Well, that's and nice, in, given that we are um, smack bang in the middle of winter. And so if people want to start developing their spring and summer bodies, now's the time to do it. Give yourself yeah. three or four months to uh, get lean and mean. And then by the time it's uh, time to step out into the sunshine with shorts and T-shirts on, everybody's body should be trim and terrific. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And then going on with other healthy habits that I think are a little off the beaten path that most people aren't you know, really aware of, uh, there's fasting for the diet, there's fasting for the body, but there's also fasting for the mind. So you can stave off all your media, you know, you can stave off the internet, you can be off of all that stuff and give your mind a, a rest from all the consumption. And that will, that will really help uh, bring back a sense of, uh, of, you know, a basis for you in here i think um there's a 
there's a terrible, how am I going to, this ping pong that takes place between getting the dopamine hit of every time you're looking at Facebook or every time your phone pings and there's a message and your, yeah. your brain gives you this little dopamine, but then you open it up and it's about COVID and, and you get this little hit of stressor, a little bit yeah. of uh, cortisol, you know? And so you're sort yeah. of bouncing with, I've got dopamine and then suddenly I've got cortisol and then, you know, I go and eat some junk food and then social media yeah. is, is junk for the brain. And so what we've got to do is get a uh, backpack with some refreshing food and a, and a couple of liters of water and go for a hike without your phone, get out in nature and uh, go into the wilderness and hang out with some trees for a little while. Absolutely. Yeah, I, Absolutely. I, uh, whenever I, I'm in the habit of putting, whenever I have my phone on my body, I put it on airplane mode. I don't carry my phone on me with it on. So I don't want my body to be bathed in this weird, you know, electromagnetic field all day. So I'll just get my phone out, take it off airplane mode every five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, and then put it back on. And then I put it put it in my pocket. And I think that's a really healthy habit that a lot of people need to adopt these days with, you know, uh, wireless technology getting so much more powerful. Like over here in the U.S., they're bringing in this 5G service now. Yeah, here too. Uh, and, you know, you can't believe everything you read, but you know it's just, you know, it's more. And we we haven't had this technology for very long, you know, and we don't know what to expect from it. And yeah, I think it's interesting. It's we, um, and, and you're hundred percent right. We haven't had it for a generation, so we don't know what it's doing. And we'll only find out what it's doing in one generation's time where, where our children, we don't know the health benefits. We don't know if we're the next group, this, the next generation, if the pregnant mothers now are going to have a, a you know, a race of mutants. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen because it's not, te it's not tried and tested yet. And uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do watch with some trepidation as we lurch forward under the, under the weight of this technology. And um, we just expect that it's going to be the be all and end all. And eventually somebody's going to go, wow, we didn't realize. And we've only got to go back a short way in history where we created these um, uh, hydrofluorocarbons and chlorofluorocarbons. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, the hydrofluorocarbons were the best thing ever. What a wonderful technology until we found out yeah. that they were chewing up our ozone. We just tend to adopt these technologies only to later learn that they weren't good for us. And I, I, I worry what's coming next. But anyway, who's to know? And I'm certainly not an expert in this subject, but I, I share your trepidation. Mm, yeah. And it's such a relief too, just to know that I'm not constantly on call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm choosing to turn my phone on every five or so minutes and check. It's not just this thing that's just going to go off all of a sudden in my pocket and, and interrupt what I'm doing or, you know, I'm choosing when I want that thing to work for me. I think that's an important distinction. You're, you're in charge of the technology. The technology is not in charge of you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
So there's obviously health benefits to be found everywhere. If there's somebody, uh, just I'm conscious of your time now, mate, uh, is there, if there's... Uh, we're all right. You're all right? Good? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, yeah. Yeah, you're traveling well. <laughs> Heck yeah, I'm enjoying this. This is great. Well, you know, um, uh, I don't think that we could uh, get enough. I don't think there's enough talk about how to be positive in the world and how to be healthy in the world and how to be a good contributor in our, even in our own lives and a good contributor to our own health and a good contributor to our own psyche. And the more people hear about it and more people can talk about it and the more interesting new concepts that are raised, the whole idea is to lift people's consciousness in this, in this field. And yeah. I think that uh, there's so much more that can be explored that nobody is touching on. And it takes people like you that are very focused in this area to sort of remind people that there's more out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you're doing your functional movements, let's, let's say uh, not the, uh, not the ISO movements, but more repetitious movements. What do you concentrate on then with your clients? Uh, boy, that could be a whole bunch of different things again. Yeah. Say, say you're going to start doing a workout and um, you want, you know, cause when you start working out, you got to warm up to a certain degree. Uh, I've really uh, of the past, maybe a couple of years here, become a big advocate of just bouncing. Bouncing. Bouncing on, you know, almost like a, not, it's not a good comparison, but almost like jumping rope without the jump yeah. rope. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I found to adopt that in, in practice has been a real uh, pleasant way to get your energy going, uh, to stimulate lymph flow. Yeah. And just in any, and just the oscillation of your body, you know, is, is good for your alignment and the low impact is good for bone density. So your, the balls of your feet would not necessarily need to leave the ground by, by much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you could bounce up as high as what, you know, you are uh, okay to do, but in the beginning, yeah, you barely need to get your feet a, a half inch inch off the ground just as long as you're making a little bit of uh, soft impact. And then, you know, you can do all kinds of different things, you know, say for the first 30 seconds or minute, you can just let everything shake. Yeah. Just let everything shake. And then, you know, you could do a, a circle walk and then you go back to it again. And then this time you try to jump up and down, but you're not going to let your shoulders move. And you're going to really protect your spine by keeping your core nice and tight. You're going to keep your heels nice and low, your knees pretty straight. So you're going to be a bit more rigid and a bit more, you know, packed. Yeah. And, you know, so that's kind of a step up. And then you, know, you can change that around too. You could start splitting your feet in, in different positions. So, you know, kind of alternating the feet forward and back. And it almost start starts to um, work its way into a jumping jack, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, the only thing about jumping jacks, though, for me, is they're ju jumping jacks. Not it's not functional on any level. Okay. It's not any. It's not in any sport. It's not in anything else other than jumping jacks. 
That's true. <laughs> so uh, if you're doing a bounce, don't split your legs out sideways. Split them forward and backward. Yeah. Just like you would be if you walk or if you run. And then, you know, just alternate the arms. So if the left leg's forward, the right arm's forward by, and vice versa. Yeah. You know, things like that. Not that jumping jacks are bad, but that's all they're good for. You <clears throat> might as well be doing something that is, is, you know, gives you more than one type of benefit. Yeah, I, with my uh, students at my karate school, I, um, I got them doing a version of jumping jacks where instead of the arms going up and down, they go forwards and backwards. And then, right. in, and because obviously, you know, punches uh, and our actions and, and the, the idea of spreading the chest yep. cavity and then bringing it back in and then spreading it each time, opening the arms up and then closing them off. But also I get them to do that with their feet split forwards and backwards instead. So um, we work from doing normal jumping jacks and then I get them to work their feet forwards and backwards and yep. their arms in and out. And then I get them to do combinations and, uh, you know, just for the different um, coordination exercises, I make it more coordination and hemispheric training rather than... Um, rather than functional but you're right i brought in the forwards and backwards movements because jumping jacks i was i felt weren't functional they as you described they didn't warm up the muscles and they didn't in any way that i wanted to use the muscles later they didn't right. mimic any action we were going to teach they didn't mimic any stances or any yeah. kicks or any strikes that we were going to perform in martial arts so, yes, I, I, I see your point. I think it's very, very valid. Yeah. Um, and then also, I mean, if, if you're doing a split, a split jump or a split bounce where the feet and legs and arms are alternating back and forth, you can get, you can get uh, those are really like uh, scalable. You know, you can really get fast at that. You can't get very fast at a jumping. You can only get so fast at the jumping jack. Yeah. You know, and um Yeah, your I mean, legs don't um they don't your legs don't abduct and adduct very quickly. That's right. And um and because you're moving from the hips, you're moving all, the whole leg at once. Whereas in this moving forwards and backwards, your knees play a bigger role and they can move smaller moves and quicker. And you can also get a bit of a a different rhythm, a pitter pat rhythm with your feet where you might do two movements on your right foot, then one on your left, and then another two on your right and one on your left. You can have different rhythms going on. and Exactly. Um, it starts yeah. to look like shadow boxing almost. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, well, a lot of people, uh, so they've been doing their bouncing. They've progressed. They're doing well with it. Okay, now start bouncing on one leg. Let's see if you can bounce on one foot, on one leg for one yeah. minute. Oh, that's, yeah. that's quite difficult. Most people can't do that. Wow. You know, so that's now another... you got me you know, wanting to have a go at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun little challenge. You know, most people, because, you know, everyone probably grew up being able to bounce on one leg for who knows how long. And as you got older, you kind of, you know, lost, you know, things, things change. You know, when you're, when you're a child, your bones are very soft. 
so you you just bounce as a whole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to 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 try to keep that bounciness in our bodies is a youthful thing. Do you advocate keeping the body as youthful as you can? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, there's certain exercises that are for older people uh, that will help them. And there's certain exercises that are for younger people that will help them when they get older. So, you know, as you get older, the, the fluids of the body dry up quite a bit. Yeah. So you lose a lot of, you lose, because of that, you lose a lot of uh, different things. So stretching becomes really important yeah. as you get older. And knowing, knowing how to uh, work your muscles as you get older becomes an important thing. And, as you're, and when you're younger, it feels like you're getting away with everything. Until you get older, you know, and, <laughs> true. and, and then, you know, you realize, oh, all those, you know, runs on my heels weren't so great, Ugh. you know, and things like that. Well, that's what so, I learned pretty quickly when I hit my twenties or late twenties was all the left punching in hook punches into heavy bags. And uh, um, that's yeah, where yeah. I started to damage the tissue across the front delt. And uh, my AC joint and uh, rotator cuff and uh, pec minor and bicep tendon. And they all yeah. suffered as a consequence of these looping punches and then hitting and having an impact on that. That sort of fly through time and space with all your might behind it, only to suddenly hit something immovable. Yeah. Or only mildly movable. And then that jarring impact on my left shoulder and it just never recovered. And so every right. exercise I do now is with the restriction that at some stage, I'm going to have to ease back on the left shoulder because I damaged it when I was in my uh, teens and twenties. Uh, you know, um, I'm glad you brought that up because just about two, three months ago, uh, I bought a little device called a power dot and it's home uh, electro stimulation. Right. And you know, electro stimulation, it's not a new therapy. No. It's been around, you know, a long, long time. So it's refined, you know, and the power dot is the first one that's been cleared by the FDA as a, you know, a sanctioned therapy. Right. And it comes, it comes with an app and it's got all kinds of choices. You can use it for tissue damage, which, you know, made me, you're, you know, you're mentioning your shoulder and your soft tissue that made me think of that. So you can use those, you can use it for tissue damage. You can use it for massage. You can use it for just uh, general wellness. What does it uh, look like? It, it's got uh three kind of tablet, like large tablet size nodes that uh, are, that have lithium, some circuitry in them and lithium batteries. Yeah. And they are, they, the three nodes are all connected by wire leads because, you know, electricity needs a uh, triangulation in order to work. That's right. Yeah. And so um, you attach these with, 
uh, these little kind of um, electro pasty electrodes. Yeah. So like earlier earlier today, I did my shoulder, and I put it on the wellness program, and uh, yeah, it's great. It, it really helps. It really. Wow. There good. you go. Well, there's a plug for what's it called? Power what? Power dot. Power dot. There's a plug power for power dot. dot. You know, yeah, well, I'll be um, I'll be uh, contacting Power Dot and hitting them up for some um, advertising money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so Power got... Dot. No, that, that sounds good. I'll I'll um, I'll have to look into that because I bought a little one years ago and it was just exactly as you describe. It was a little, almost like a, a one of those uh, iPod things that we used to have where you scroll and there was the Remember the iPod, the original music thing? Yep. And I had a little lead that you plugged in and it went out to some sticky pads that you put and it would just send different rhythmic pulses through the muscles at different, different degrees of uh, intensity. Yeah. And I found that worked really nicely, but I broke the thing. So I don't know what happened. It suddenly stopped working one day and I was like, oh, well, that was a waste of money. But um, it worked really nicely for maybe a month and then it just stopped working. I thought, oh, that's what you get for cheap devices. But Yeah, yeah. well, if you decide to get one, uh, let me know. I've got a code for 15% off. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, mate, yeah. um, I've got to tell you, it's, it's always, uh, it's been fascinating talking about this dif these different varieties of health and um you know, I, I think that the listeners are going to be sitting there going, wow, I've just gathered so much information. But also, I don't think people will have expected to have got out of it is a level of inspiration that people are going to be going, yeah, you know, that guy's right. I need to, I need to detoxify my life um, from a, a mental and a physical and a, and a spiritual uh, aspect in mind, body and spirit. I think people need to detoxify. And um, if you've given them any tools and tricks and tips to do that, then I, I think they should be very grateful. It's been amazing. Can I finish up with where people can get hold of you? If anybody's interested in contacting you about the training you do, because you work with martial arts groups, uh, martial artists would be able to benefit from the training because of the core strengthening and the muscle development and the ability for muscles to absorb pain and those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where yep. do, how do people get in touch with you then? Well, uh, it's uh, pretty basic with me. It's email. So my name, Dan, D-A-N, and then last name, Ryman, which is R-E-Y-M-A-N at Gmail. You can get a hold of me there. And then uh, it, on Instagram, it's uh, at my name but in reverse so at ryman dot dan and then uh anyone's welcome to have my phone number if they want to you know get that that's 310-508-5599 that's my cell phone number so you can contact me there as well and you'll check and that every 15 minutes and and you'll see you've got right. a message from someone <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, enough people hear this for a start. And then those that do uh, my audience in Australia and other places, New Zealand and stuff, they're probably going to go, damn, I wish this guy was a local, but anybody who's listening in California should definitely get in touch. And, um, 
you're, now you're bringing some products out online as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I suppose I've got some stuff. I, yeah, I do have videos actually, but, um, I could, I could do something with them. Yeah. There, I have videos. You're better face to face yeah. anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I've got clients that I work with on zoom. Oh, nice. So that could work. Yeah. And then brilliant. I've, I do have some videos. If they want that, I could, you know, send them some videos of exercises. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think the more we get your messages out there, the better, mate. So, um, again, it's been a pleasure. Good to see you. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for, thanks for chatting with us today. Uh, it's been so fun. It's been great. Thank you for having me. This has been a great experience. Um, maybe we'll do it again. I hope so, mate. No worries at all. I'd look forward to that. All right. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya.